We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages and inspires you. For more information, head to lifepointwithanee.org.au. Well, it's uh, great to be with you this morning. Uh, You are joining churches right throughout Queensland uh, as we're praying for revival. I've had a whole lot of emails and texts this week about people that are doing the devotions and what they're learning, and it's very exciting to see what God's doing. I've seen little touches of revival uh, a couple of times in my life. Um, when I was went out teaching as a new teacher out to a little country town called Varalabar that didn't have a church there, had a couple of church buildings, but no permanent church in the place. Uh, God did a powerful work there. Some of the teachers became Christians. Quite a few of the kids became Christians and we didn't know what we were doing. We were just kind of uh, doing the best we could, but God was powerfully at work in this little little town. Uh, then I went to uh, Kenmore where I was youth pastor for quite some time and there was a period there where God moved in really great power. Uh, a whole group of ex-drug addicts became Christians uh, and they were wild guys. You know, you had to search their their bags when they came on camp to make sure they weren't carrying anything. But uh, but it was just exciting and God worked powerfully and the youth group grew and God was working. It was very exciting. When I was at uh, Brackenridge pastoring there, there was a time, it was kind of around the John Wimber time and, and there was just a really powerful time when God was healing people, God was setting people free. Uh, uh, God, worship was just so powerful. Like at, at night, we'd worship for an hour after the sermon, you know, because people didn't want to go home because God's presence was here and, and He was working. So I've seen little touches of that, but none of those are what I really call revival, the thing that we're praying for now. Because while I was special times and God was moving in greater power, it wasn't widespread. And what we're looking for now is, is a revival that not just touches this church, but touches the community and touches the state and touches the nation. That's what we're praying for uh, at the moment. I want to look at uh, Isaiah chapter 40 uh, this morning. And uh, in this uh, chapter, Isaiah is, is prophesying a change that's coming, a change that's on the way. Uh, in fact, he's actually prophesying two changes. Uh, the first change that he prophesies in the first 39 chapters mainly is about uh, that Israel's going to be judged by God, that they've turned away from God, they're doing their own thing and they're going to get into trouble because of that and they're going to become dominated and decimated by some of the world powers around them and it's going to be a very, very tough time for them. But in chapter 40, which we're looking at, he changes tack and moves beyond that, moves beyond this judgment time of God to a time when when God's going to move a new power. He's going to bring people close to His heart. He's he's going to touch them. He's going to fill them. Uh, He's going to bring them home in a sense. And and so in chapter 40, he changes tack and for the last uh, chapters of of Isaiah, it focuses particularly on this this new powerful move of God, Uh, a time when a new season when God's glory is going to be seen by all. So let's have a look at this. And I'm just going to read the first five verses to start with anyway. So uh, first five verses of chapter Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. 
a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged, rugged places are plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So when did this happen? When did God move in this powerful way, bring His people home and reveal His glory to them in new ways? Well, it's complicated. It happened partly 200 years or almost 200 years after this prophecy. Uh, the, the people of, of Judah had been taken away and exiled by the Babylonian Empire. They'd been pushed all around the world because they figured that was the way to stop this power of Israel and just transplant all the people. And, and, and so they'd been judged by God as Isaiah had prophesied. And then they came back, or not all of them, but a lot of them came back and, and they rebuilt the nation and they built the walls and they built the temple and, and they became a nation. Israel, uh, the Jews became a nation again uh, under God. And so that was part of the prophecy that Isaiah had said. It was fulfilled 200 years after he'd prophesied. But that wasn't all. If you read that passage again, in verse 3 it says, A voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. What does that remind you of? In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. In each of the Gospels that was applied to who? John the Baptist. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. So partly what Isaiah is prophesying, this is like 700 years after he's prophesying, uh, that much time later, some, God was gonna move a new power and Jesus was gonna come, the Messiah was gonna come and he's gonna live and die on the cross and rise again. Uh, the church, the spirit was gonna come, the church was gonna start and God was gonna do a revival work in great power. And part of what Isaiah is prophesying is the return of the nation, but partly what he's prophesying is the coming of Jesus and what it's gonna mean uh, for the world. So it's partly that as well. But then when you have a look at verse five, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. Has that happened yet? The glory of the Lord revealed and all people seeing it together. In Revelation uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The glory of the Lord revealed and all mankind will see it together. And it's talking about the coming of Christ. So you see, he's prophesying a number of things. He's prophesying the return of the nation. He's prophesying the coming of the Messiah, Jesus, and what that will mean. Uh, and then he's also prophesying uh, the work of God in the end when He comes and puts an end to everything and reestablishes, which is real revival as God works in His great power. So it's all of those things. That's the way prophecy often is. It's often seen as kind of a picture of it is, is mountain ranges. You know when you have a look at a, a mountain ranges in the distance, it looks like they're all together. So the prophet is looking at those mountain ranges and predicting what's going to happen. But what the prophet doesn't understand when he's looking is that actually there's a lot of distance between those mountain ranges. And so he just sees the top of the mountain ranges and so prophesies God's gonna work in power. But what actually he's prophesying is a, a number of movements of God in revival, in power, in new movements as God draws his people close to, him, to himself. He just sees the top of these things, but in fact, there's a long period of time 
uh, between them. So this prophecy is not just one historical event. It's a number of times when God moves in great power. It keeps on going. It's a little bit like my retirement in a way, you know, like in 2017, I retired as principal of our college and, uh, and stopped work. Uh, and then in 2018, I retired again from my interim role as a pastor at, at Brackenridge. And then at the end of last year, I retired again from my role as uh, interim uh, director of the Queensland Baptist Movement. And, and yet I still haven't quite retired. <laughs> so it's sort of like a, a, a period of time. And this is what Isaiah is, is talking about. There's gonna be these movements of God in great power at particular times when God draws his people to himself. It's sort of coming in waves, this powerful movement of God. So when's the next wave? When's the next movement of God in this great power? Well, when you look at Australia, you kind of feel that the next wave is a long way off, don't you? Like it's pretty dry, it's pretty hard. People are a long, most people are a long way away from God. And it would be easy to think that this next wave of God is many, many years, maybe, maybe decades, maybe centuries ahead, you know, because of where we're at at the moment. But the thing about waves is they actually come suddenly, don't they? I've uh, got little grandkids and we live at Caloundra a fair bit of the time. And, uh, and so I've often got these little kids at the beach. And, and I've found that, that when they're about one or so, you know, they're just walking. The waves are a huge danger to them because they, they knock them over. And the trouble with the little kids is that, that when the wave goes back, they think, oh, it's gone now. So they wander down the beach on the sand. But I know that that only means that a new wave's building. <laughs> and so they just see the sand and think, oh, it's dry now, I can go, and, but I'm ready to rescue them. I know that if the, if the wave retreats a couple of kilometres, there's a tidal wave on the way. <laughs> of course, I don't tell them that, you know, but, but so, so the dryness, the sand, only means that there's a new big wave building up, coming. And, and I think it's the same with us. You know, you see the dryness of Australia. We may well mean that there's something powerful building up, that God is about to move a, a new wave of, of blessing on his people and on this nation. So when is it gonna come? Well, Isaiah's prophecy is, is not clear. <laughs> you know, Isaiah doesn't know exactly when that's gonna happen. He hasn't counted out, well, in 200 years, this is gonna happen. 700 years, this is gonna happen. Thousands of years, this is gonna happen. Uh, he's not sure about that. And I don't think we can say exactly when God's gonna move. We do know though, that a new wave is building and we do know that we have to prepare for this. That's what. Uh, as I says, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Where do we prepare the way for the Lord? In the wilderness, in the dryness of our country. Come on, we've got to prepare the way. The wave is coming. God is moving in power in new ways. And we have to be prepared for that. We have to get ready for that. Some of you are saying, well, you know, I've, I've heard this before. I've been praying for revival for a long time and I have. I've been praying for revival. I tried to work it out this morning, but I reckon over 50 years I've been praying for revival. And you say, well, we've heard all of this. We're praying for revival. And yet 
yet we still haven't seen it. So how can we believe again that God can move like this? And that's exactly the same with the people that were reading the uh, prophecy of Isaiah. You can imagine the people who were taken off into exile. It just looked impossible. How could God ever bring our people home? How could we ever be a nation again? Like we're distributed right throughout the world. How This is never going to change. Like it's, it's not possible. Or the people in, G, in Jesus' day that were, were believers in a Messiah coming and, and thinking, like, look at the situation we're in, dominated by the Romans, legalistic Jews in control. Like, like how on earth could God ever do anything with this, in this situation? And so Isaiah is addressing this, this lack of belief, this lack of faith that easily creeps in as we begin to say, well, is God going to do these things? And so Isaiah addresses that in this passage. And uh, there's two particular big, big things that he brings out. And I'll just briefly touch on them. Reasons that we can believe that God is going to move in power. Reasons that will increase our faith and expectation of what God can do. And the first one is uh, we can believe for this because actually God is incredibly powerful. We've already sung a whole lot of songs about that this morning. But our God is incredibly powerful. Isaiah has said that there's going to be tough times ahead for God's people. And the danger would be that they would think they were powerless, that God was powerless in the middle of all of these things, that they were just a product of big, huge world empires just pushing them around. So listen to what he says. I'll just read a bit of an excerpt here. Verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollows of his hand? Talking about God. Or with the breadth of his hand marked out the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counsellor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust, and then fruit of 25. To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each one of them by name, because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them was, is missing. What the Israelites saw was huge empires. Uh, flexing their muscles and little tiny Israel caught in the middle of it all. But God actually, Isaiah says, is much bigger than any of these nations. Assyria, you know, world power, then Babylon, world power, you know, like these are huge empires. And, and Isaiah is saying, they're a drop in the bucket to God. He clicks his fingers and, and they're gone. Like where are the Assyrians now? Where are the Babylonians now? The last 500 years of seen Christianity have a big impact on the West in particular and a fairly positive impact generally. And we've seen the development of democracy and many other things that, uh, which have been based on Christian principles, the worth of every individual. Uh, we've seen some, some changes in, in morality uh, that have been good changes in morality. 
Uh, and so we've, we've seen God at, at work. And it would be easy to say, well, look, isn't this good? Look at what God's doing. But the last period of time, whatever it is, has actually seen a change in that. The rise of autocratic world powers that are very dominant, uh, the decrease of morality in our own, our own nation. And we look at that and think, you know, at a time we were thinking, wow, you know, this is great. You know, the fall of communism and all the rest, look at what's happening here. And now we look at the opposite direction and it's easy for us to think, well, what can God really do? Like, what can really God do when there's powers like China or Russia? Or, or what can God do in a nation that's drifted so far away from what's right? What can God do? And Isaiah says, you just don't realise how powerful God is. You don't realise how incredible He is, that the nations are nothing. They're like a drop in the bucket. Like, God is incredibly powerful and said, so don't get put off. Don't think. We had some great testimonies, didn't we, of little things that God does and His great power. That God is powerful. When God says it's time, it's time. It's easy to reduce God to the ups and downs of our lives. And God's not like that. I found in my prayer life, you know, uh, I've tried to move to a, which of course I should know anyway, but to, to spending more time in worship and just making sure that I'm aware of who God is before I pray and ask Him for things. And this has been really helpful for me because when you see God is a creator God, God is sovereign, God is powerful, when you see how big God is and how wonderful God is, you start to get everything in perspective then. And as we pray for revival, we've got to remember God is powerful. When he says it's time to move, he will move and nothing will be able to stop that. But the second thing that uh, Isaiah brings out is that God is actually very tender as well. Um, it's, it's easy to, when we, when we come to grips with the greatness of God, to kind of feel that, well, yeah, God's greatness, he created all the, all the universe, you know. So, so how significant am I in in, in all of it. And it's easy for Israel to think, yeah, well, God does all these things, but does He really care for us? And so this passage is filled with the tenderness of God. Let me just read a few verses. Uh, verse 1 and 2, Comfort, comfort my people, says our God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that a hard service has been completed. Uh, verse 11, So uh, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He carries them close to his heart. Uh, verse 29, he, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. It may seem to you that God's a chess player, a kind of, you know, like he's moving things around, he's powerful, sovereign, he's in control, and so things are happening. And uh, But as for you, you're just one of those pawns, you know, as he moves things around and makes things happen according to, to his will. Um, and this is completely wrong. Like the picture here of Israel is, is God shepherding them. He's like a shepherd with a little, a, a little flock. Let me uh, just give you an illustration. The other day I was in church, I was babysitting, 
which I often do these days. And I've got a, we've got a couple of grandsons, young, young grandsons. And so I was kind of looking after them in church and their, and their friends. So there's a whole group of them, these little boys. And I was trying to stop them wrecking the church and, and interrupting the sermon and all the rest, you know. So I was fi- it, was, it was the friends that were the problem, of course. But uh, so, so I was sort of fighting with these little kids and trying to shush, shush, and don't do that, and don't do that, and all the rest, you know. And I looked a couple of seats in front of me, and here was this other grandfather with this little six-month-old granddaughter that he was just swooning over. Do you know what I mean? Like, like had this beautiful, precious, here am I, saying, stop doing that, and you say, go over there, and go, you know, and, and here, oh, she's, he's just cuddling her uh, in, his, in his arms. And I was jealous, like, <laughs> I was jealous of that. And I thought about it, and I thought, well, which one is God like? Now, God is partly like I was, right? You know, the Hebrew says he disciplines those he loves, you know. So, so, you know, God sometimes is saying to us, don't do this, and you need to be improved here and all that. So it is an aspect of what God does. But God is far more like the other grandfather. He just loves you intensely. He is tender towards you. He loves to wrap you in, in, in his arms. Like just right now, this morning, he's... He's here and he's, he's brooding over you. <laughs> and he, has, you, he you have no idea how, how precious you are uh, to him. And so this new wave of God at work is not just because he's powerful and because he chooses to do this. It's actually also because he's tender and he loves us and he actually wants the best for us. And he wants to draw us close to his heart. And he wants to use us in powerful and wonderful ways. He's, he just cares so much. He wants to bless us. He really does. He wants to bless you. And the best way he can possibly bless you is to revive you, to, to bring you close to him, to make it, your relationship with him an intimate relationship with him. This is what God loves to do, wants to do. And he promises that he'll bring us home. I see it up there. Welcome home. He'll bring us home. Uh, very well-known passage in here. And right at the end of this prophecy, at the end of chapter 40, this is what he says. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. What does God want for you? This is what He wants. Soaring like eagles, running and not grow weary. God is tender and because He is tender, He wants the best for us and He wants to pour out His blessing on us and we can count on that. So I pray with Isaiah that there is a hope growing in you. Hope of new power, of fresh strength, of walking, of running, of of even soaring with wings like eagles with God. Of God working in great power in you, reviving the intimacy with Him, empowering you so that great powerful things are done through your life, a, a, 
a revival that comes to this church as, as a community, unifying us together and, and doing signs and wonders and bringing many people uh, into the kingdom here. A revival that comes to the community, a revival that comes to this state, a revival that comes to our nation. And that won't always be easy, may I say. There'll be sacrifices in that. There'll be new calls that God will ask us to. We might have to give some of our free time up to discipling and helping people come to know Jesus. Like There's lots of demands in that as well. But, but oh, to see the glory of God revealed. Oh, to see the power of God released. Oh, to see people that have a heart and a fire in their bellies for God more than anything else. And I'm asking you this morning to join with the call that Isaiah makes, and that is to prepare for revival. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Pray believing that God is sovereign and powerful and that can do these things. Pray believing that God is tender and caring and wants these things for his people. There's an old guy... He's dead now, so he gets very... Uh, but he lived at the end of last, uh, beginning of last century, a guy called G. Campbell Morgan. He was an evangelist. He was a Bible teacher. And he talked a lot about revival, and, and this is what he said. Revival cannot be organised, but we can set our sails to catch the wind from heaven when God chooses to blow upon his people once again. You like that? We can set our sails, and that's what we're doing at the moment. Right throughout Queensland, we're setting our sails. If you're not doing the devotions, then you need to get onto it straight away and start doing it today. Uh, last week was personal revival. This week is community revival, and next week we'll be preparing. How do we prepare for this revival uh, that, that's coming? Isaiah's call was, in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Praying, believing, crying out to God, getting ourselves right with God. Come on, God, do your work. <laughs> and not letting God go till we see what He wants to do in great power. Will you join us in this? Believing and praying for the powerful work of God as He brings many people home.